they are. It's the team, Cheryl Shaw, Dr. David Tabrett. Welcome to you both. Hi, Sarah. Hi, Sarah. How are you both going? You've, you've enjoyed the view of the tawny frog mouths? Like Where? They're out there camouflaged. Like this. <laughs> oh, yes, I think I can. Could be a branch. On. They're right there. <laughs> They're just, look, I've taken a photo. I've put it on the Facebook page. If it's on Facebook, it must be true. Of course it is. They're just. To end our Facebook. I should add. Yeah. yeah. Look, we're here to talk about pets today. Cheryl, mm. what are you going to chat about? Oh, this is one for all our cat lovers out there. We're going to be talking about cat toilets and what's new. You may never have to clean another what's, cat litter. What's oh. new in cat toilets? Oh, wait, wait till you find out, David. Cheryl's a wealth of information. Do the cats clean it themselves now? <laughs> no, but you're going we'll to be see. really interested. Mm-hmm. Okay, and you, what about you, David? What are you chatting about? A topic that's come up recently is looking at... Uh, uh, we'll say dogs, dog health versus dog breed standards. Okay. And where those things are shifting, where they're in alignment, where they're in contrast. Interesting one. Yeah, a little bit of philosophy. Cheryl and David, I have to tell you, yesterday we went along, I went along to Restaurant of the Month where we get to meet some oh, of our listeners. Yes. There was a lovely lady there, Linda. Hello, Linda. She's just put a comment up on our Facebook post today about the tawny frog mouths that are outside the window. Anyway, she said, my husband, Rob... Rob Thomas was his name. I don't know if she was pulling my leg there. Uh, He listens to the station all the time, but he's got a comment about pet chat. So my ears pricked up and I said, oh, yeah, okay, what's that? He wants to hear more stories and things about cows. Right. Yeah, hitting the bovines. I can can cover all species, Sarah. So do you think we might get a a vet on of large animals? I was only just thinking about this planning for the year what topics and who to talk to and I was thinking, you know, it's about time we talk to someone about cows and horses and oh, there you go. See, so I'll I'll if get you ask I'll get David a special delivers. guest on. Gee, you're good. I'm so glad that you're actually planning this year. <laughs> <laughs> you come in some weeks and I'm never sure what you're going to talk about and we often have the same topic. So this is fantastic. Well, We're back to cats, the claws are out. I, yep. I don't know what I'm going to talk about sometimes. Oh. <laughs> But I tell you what, you don't need to because you're the expert. You That's can just, right. you know, off the cuff. The mystery of radio. Now, Cheryl, we're looking at uh, cat litter. I think one of the things about owning a cat is some people do get a bit put off about the, the kitty litter trays, you know. It's another job. It is. And it's actually not the most pleasant job and most people really don't want to do it. Mm. The thing is that there's um, every cat that's an indoor cat, and look, I've got a thing, I like cats being indoors because I think they do so much damage to the native animals out there, particularly our birds and lizards. But every cat that lives inside uses about 200 kilos of cat litter a year and that's going into Ooh. landfill. So, you know, we've got to look at what's happening with our cats and sure we need to provide them with a, a, a litter tray or two if you've got more cats or however many cats an extra litter tray so it goes on and on so you are going through a lot of litter and there's so many different types of litter i know david you touched on that last year you went and had a look at what litter trays mm. were around and what mm. litter and there's so many different types from your clumping your non-clumping whether it's a recyclable paper crystal silica there's heaps and heaps but there's something new on the market which is pretty interesting. My son has two cats and at Christmas time he asked me would I get them a cat toilet and I just thought, well, yeah, it's, you know, one of those boxes with a lid on it and off I'll go. So he showed me this video and it actually is a cat toilet. It has a sensor on it that scoops <laughs> up <laughs> the litter, the, yes. the, the, the cat's <clears throat> poo, yep. and after that it actually rinses the cat litter 
and then it dries it. And it is most, and there's quite a few different ones out there. When I saw it, I wow. thought this could not be true. But anyway, we got one and it is fantastic. So gone are the days of cut, touching the cat litter. It's completely finished. So it goes into the part of this little toilet and then yeah, you can so just you plumb it. Of it's it. plumbed and it has oh, obviously water. Seriously? It, Fantastic. So, so it's plumbed this scoop like our comes down, absolutely. So it comes this little hand scoop comes out, scoops the, the poo, way that goes, and then there's sensors on it as well. So once that's done, the flush comes and then it dries it. And the crystals that are in it don't need to be replaced. About once a year you add some to it. So that's it's outrageous. just adding some to it. So it is fantastic. So it has taken away that actual touching of the, the litter, which is mm-hmm. quite a problem, particularly for women who are pregnant, this sort of thing mm. where there's disease involved. But the odour goes as well. So when you walk mm. into the room where the cat litter tray is, there's no odour. I think I need to see a picture of this, Cheryl. So does it have to go... It goes in the bathroom you so can, where the plumbing is? Or well, you, my son actually has his in the back of a dining room because it goes onto a laundry, which is sort of a closed-in sort of oh, space. Okay. But... There's other ones available as well that, that send um, messages. You can get an app for your phone. So these devices are really coming into the century, aren't they? But what what message does it send? Your cat did a It says, oh, your cat's just visited the litter tray. You need to go <laughs> visit that and fix that. But, you know, again, if you're not wanting to touch your litter tray, I just think these are fantastic. <coughs> it's a really, really new invention. Apparently they've been in the States for some time, but they're now in Australia, and it's a super idea if you're not wanting to touch are they? Well, I know you can't talk specifics, but are yep. they really expensive? What no, no, at? they're not. Well, well, you're saving on all the absolutely litter, Sarah. You know our landfill. Yeah, our landfill's yeah. not being. You know, because a lot of these um, cat litters are actually mined. You know, they're coming out of the ground, so we're affecting local habitat when we're mining mining the clay and substances like that. But also, um, we're but, not. Uh, Cheryl, there are lots of recycled. Yes, clump, like the paper. paper the, so the wheat, and stuff. Yeah, yeah, and even corn. There's a lot of recycle. Oh, right. Yeah, so corn okay. husks are often used as yes. well. And I agree, David. Those recyclable ones are much better than the, where we're mining out. You know, sort of um, but minerals. Some, but some cats have a distinct preference to mm-hmm. the type of litter. And that's important because there can be a thing called litter aversion where mm-hmm. they won't go to the tray. So you do have to make sure that your cat, number one, likes the litter that you're using because otherwise it's it's not going to go there and it will start, you know, defecating or urica- urinating in the house somewhere else. So, you know, litter trays can be really um, a sensitive issue with some cats and some cats get really upset when their trays aren't clean and then, of course, won't use them. So, Fair enough. Yeah, I don't blame okay. you. Okay, well, yeah. look, speaking of cats, Cats, Michael's in Adamstown Heights. You've got a Siamese cat and it's biting at the moment, Michael. Yes, yes. He does it, I think it's quite playfully, but it hurts. <laughs> I bet it does. How, how old's your cat, Michael? Um, he will be one at the end of March. Yeah. Um, so and he, what he, look, it's interesting because he will kind of run up to me and he kind of, he sort of, Pause me very, very gently. Does this to my wife as well. It's almost like he he runs up and he'll he'll kind of pat you. But when you're patting him, yeah, he 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 sort of bites and scratches. But the teeth are very sharp, and if his nails are not clipped, they're very sharp as well. So I. 
kind of sometimes on the arms look like I've been beaten up. <laughs> yeah, so this is, and this is a real concern with a lot of people, and we do see it with young cats more particularly, and it's a kind of all, uh, if you think of all play behaviour for cats and dogs, is actually learning and um, training, if you like, for themselves to, for adult behaviours. And so for cats, a lot of these behaviours are uh, meant to mimic, you know, their hunting behaviour and things like that and catching yeah. prey. So it's a natural biological process. But in this case, uh, you put your hand in the way, it's, it's going to end up getting scratched and so on. And we, I've had a lot of consultation with older um, clients where their cats have done this and they may have end up with pretty serious injury because it doesn't need to be very deep it, and, you know, if you're older and your skin is a bit thinner or perhaps you're on medication where you might have some bleeding dis uh, problems, we do see a lot of the times where people come in with their cat and, you know, their arms are bandaged up like they've stepped off the set of the mummy. Yes. Uh, so it, the other thing is learning it as a young cat, if the behaviour is rewarded, um, and by that it means that it just continues or it's allowed to continue, then the cat will just continue to behave like that. Yes. So a couple of things. One is just understanding that it is natural. Um, it doesn't mean your cat is a bad cat. That's the first thing. And it's not about punishment, but we do want to take away the opportunity for your cat to continue to behave this way, which means as soon as you recognise maybe it's the way the cat approaches you, maybe it's the way that... Um, it sounds or or reacts to, you know, if you do go to patch your cat, you can say, oh, hang on, he, he's about to bite me. I always say um, that most, you know, cats will scratch you after two and a half pats. So right. you, you never find out, you know, after the second one, and then you go, oh, they're lovely. And then the third one is when they kind of scratch and bite. So just be understanding that, you know, maybe it's two pats and then you stop. Um, the other thing is... Uh, distraction and providing your cat with alternatives so that could be playing with toys on a um you can get the elastic um you know sticks where you oh, have a little of toys. It's, yes it's like having a toddler we've got toys exactly yeah you you become the parent again so it's really important to provide those distracting activities because as I said, it's a natural behaviour, and so it's not like if you just stop putting your hand down that the cat's going to stop the behaviour. You do need to provide an alternative. So toys, laser lights that it can chase around um, are all things that you'll find will help the cat shift from biting your hand to hopefully biting something in inanimate. Good luck, Michael. It sounds like you're a wonderful cat owner. I've just been here giggling in the background. Cheryl, you sent me uh, a couple of links of the cat toilets you were just talking about, which are plumbed and, you know, yep. they, they go, they flush away like you would any normal toilet. Now you can actually go to the toilet with your cat. Because in this okay. photo, there's okay. a human toilet that's gone too far. From and then that's the cat Let's toilet. See. Is that bonding to the next level? I'm a bit worried because of this website. You've got up, it says that there's a loyalty program and the cat's sitting beside this cat <laughs> toilet. And I'm thinking, what, do you get, like, 10th poo free? Is this that could be happens? catastrophic, couldn't it? Oh, oh, okay, yeah, all right. Good. All right, I'll leave that alone. <laughs> Welcome to the show. Tony, you're in Raymond Terrace. Now, you've got some issues with your dog that was toilet trained but is now soiling in the house. 
Yes, that's right. And I'm just wondering, sort of, I know I realise I need to retrain him again, but sort of, is there a reason why he would suddenly revert back to um, going to the toilet in the house again? Um, how old's your dog, Tony? Um, he'll be one in April, so what's that, eight, nine months, maybe? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And what breed are we talking about? Uh, Jack Russell Cross Foxy. Oh, okay. All right. And a male or female dog? Mate, a, a male, and I have a female, older, a 10-year-old female cat. Oh, and okay. I, yep. I'm just wondering if he's trying to um, the dominance over her because wherever he's weeing, sometimes out in the front veranda, it's where she likes to hang out. And is it just urinating? He's not defecating in the house or anything? No, he's doing both. Both? In the house, yeah. okay. In the house, yeah, and in like down in the hallway where you know that doesn't get used very often because and mm. stuff that in, in places where you don't see it, you can smell it. Um, so the reason for a lot of questions is so that we can try and get to the the bottom of the problem pretty quickly but it also tells us that there is some complexity with this and there can be lots of different causes so we might be able to hazard a few guesses but i suspect that you'll probably need to follow up with a veterinarian um but let's just explore that a little bit so when did the problem start uh, last weekend with the rain, actually. Okay. We, oh, he was soaking it because he did what it go. But he loves water, and I've taken him for walks in the rain, and it doesn't worry him. But he doesn't want to go. Like, he's going outside sometimes to wee, but only on the concrete, not up on the grass. Yeah, yeah. So th- there's a, this, is, this is when we see this complexity, because we might have a dog that has been trained in a certain set of circumstances but being yeah. being a young dog some of those habits are not really that well established yep and so when you change the environment and change the circumstances it might be easy for the pattern of behavior to shift again yep um now the question about whether it's a dominance thing over the cat is possible but that's not, not, yeah, I think it's more related to the environment. I think we're going to see, even though your dog likes to walk in the rain, there's a difference between walking and then going to the toilet because they have to stop still. Um, he might feel a bit vulnerable when he's, when he's you know, doing that. So uh, now he's got this circumstance where it's been so wet. Um, it's not just about the the rain coming from above but it's like what the grass and the soil feels like underneath and so now we've ta- you know basically made a lot of this uh, grass and everything quite sodden and so his feet start to feel a bit muddy and things like that um and those issues can actually start to play with these relatively weak habits that we've had yep. okay so you go you said right at the beginning oh, i think i'll need to retrain him again yes yeah. you do because you actually need to reinforce those behaviors all the way through in the wet yes and yeah. it, and it just means that you probably have to pop him on a lead take yep. him out you, may, you won't be able to get far away from the house because obviously he doesn't walk, walk far um and obviously take advantage of whatever dry spells you can yeah. also um same thing as we do with puppies is first thing in the morning, last thing at night, and after every meal. Yes, yes, yes. Well, that's what, yeah, that's what I did last night. I took him out and made sure, and he actually weed and pooed, and then he came in, and then I got up this morning, and there was 
um, two wee's in the sunroom, and then he went up straight upstairs to our son's room and weed in our son's room. Yeah, so what what we need to do is to... I would be popping down newspaper again, making sure he's in a small area, get him out first thing, because every time that he does it inside the house, it's going to make it harder to transfer him to outside and just really keep working at it. But you will get there. He will learn. And if he's only... Was he eight months old? Be- uh, about one year old. Because he yeah, probably just, hasn't seen oh, much sorry, rain. Old, yeah. Yeah. Well, but, hey, good you know, point, Sarah. You know, he's probably not used to rain. We've had this drought. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, there could be that too. Yeah. Mm, good luck, Tony. Four nine two one six two one six. If you've got a question for Dr. David Tabret, now is the time to call. We've got a line waiting for you. Now, David, you wanted to touch on uh, the health of dogs first. What's required when they're competing? Mm. When they're show dogs? Well, w- there's been a bit of uh, discussion happening more recently online and so on around. Uh, this clash between, you know, health and well-being and breed standards. And I said to Cheryl, oh, we're going to get a bit controversial. It's not to meant to be controversial, but what we do know is breed standards reflect generally what works now, what wins now. Mm-hmm. And so when people, when breed societies write a breed standard, it's not usually like, oh, in 10 years' time, we want our dogs to look like this. But seriously, that's what happens is that actually... We get stuck with the standard has been this for the last 50 years and so, you know, that's what happens. We have problems with, uh, as we know, with climate change issues and concerns about prolonged hot weather and so on. A lot of breeds, for instance, with the pushed-in noses, the Brachys felix, uh, struggle with this change in climate. Okay, And so those, those prolonged hot days and the weather changes have played an impact on their health. And I don't expect that a standard, a breed standard that works in the show ring is necessarily going to be able to keep up with that. But I think we have to acknowledge that we want dogs, and breeders do want dogs to be healthy, long-lived. They want them to work well in the show ring. They want them to make great pets. You know, we want to have all of those things. Absolutely. But it does start to struggle when we're working off standards that maybe were older and to a lot of credit for breed societies we know that a lot of them have standards related to surveillance for disease so for instance you know border collies have uh they need to have um, examinations by veterinary ophthalmologists to say that this dog uh, is free or non-detectable disease called collie eye anomaly and we know that uh, cavaliers get heart scans done we know that a lot of breeds large breeds get um, elbow or hip x-rays done Um, there are still gaps and i think that what we'll start to see is some of those gaps either widen if the standards remain you know maybe what they were 30 40 years ago which to be honest um i'm getting old so 30 years ago doesn't seem that long ago Um, but you know when we think about generations of dogs that that's five, six generations. So, David, is there um, a body that governs a responsible breeding and, and what we're doing with breeding? Is there? Well, look, 99% of listeners who have dogs have a crossbreed dog. Yeah. Maybe, that's, maybe it's 90. Yeah. So there's no set thing there. And to be honest, there never could be. Um, but within crossbreeds basically are between pure breeds, yeah? Yes. So within those breeds... There are breed societies, um, and generally they're all part of the overall body, but it's not the overall body that sets the standard. It's the 
individual breed societies. And we're seeing a, and a lot of them move, as I said, health surveillance and so on, and they're updating and listening and paying attention and trying to get the best and most healthy dog um, out there for pets and out there on the shows. But um, I just have concerns that when we're not going to be able to keep up with some of these changes and hopefully we'll see some revision. I'm particularly concerned around brachycephalic dogs. So we need to take into um, consideration what is happening around us, as you said, things like climate change, things changing, and we need to be re-evaluating our breeds and right. well, breeds all I, I, the time. But also I think the genetics is the thing. Yeah. You know, that, so all of those surveillance schemes are all related to genetic diseases or diseases that have a very high uh, input from the genetics of the breed. Um, and so that's not all breed, not all, sorry, diseases have that much of a genetic component, but perhaps it is, you know, how the dog copes with that, like the airway disease, for instance. So, you know, I think we'll see some changes over the next you know, five to ten years. For some people, that's too fast. For a lot of people, that might be too slow. Okay. Interesting stuff. Margaret, thank you for holding on the line. Uh, look, you've got an issue now. You've got two dogs, but you had to put one down, and now the other dog's quite sad. Is that correct? Well, well I, I wanted to know, <clears throat> did, did they get, um, you know, they, did they get sad? Did they get depressed? Mm. Just to be, <clears throat> like, he's a bright dog, like, he's full of life, but... <clears throat> He's just lying around and he wants to stay with me all the time. How old? How old's your dog now? He's three. He's three. He's a tenderfield terrier, bright, yeah. sexy, you know, full of life. But it's just, at, and I'm on my own in the day. What my son goes mm. to work. Yeah. And he just, he just seems to me to be down. You know, he's just lying around. Yeah, yeah. sure. Though, I mean, dogs. Dogs are a very social species, okay? So they really identify with who's around them, dogs, humans and whatever, um, and they respond and act and react in relation to the other animals, and I refer to people as animals in this. I always say uh, dogs don't think they're a person. They think you're a dog. Um, so, yeah, his his reaction is going to be reflective of um, how you're feeling and behaving and remember that dogs are really good at picking up at non-verbal cues like obviously they don't understand language so much but they do understand tone and pitch of our voice but they also understand face uh, facial patterns so they he will be noticing the gap that's happened noticing the fact that the you know the pack the three of you is now two of you and also picking up on your behaviour. Um, and it's okay, you know, it's okay to have that feeling of missing, you know, your other dog. Um, but it, he's not going to change the pattern of behaviour. He's going to respond to your leadership mm-hmm. in this. So, okay. you know, whether that's maybe an extra walk or um, just a little bit more attention at various times, um, there's going to be things that will actually start to turn that what we're seeing as depression or he's just really sad lying around he will he will respond to whatever leadership you can give him so well, and my son comes in the afternoon he's real happy he goes mad like yeah happens. yeah well it's uh, someone else in the someone else in the pack you know someone else has come in yeah. and um 
there's a sense of oftentimes with our pets is that when we go away, they're so much happier to see us when we come back, okay. isn't it, you know? Okay. Hmm. Um, he, um, so he used to sleep with little little baby. He used to sleep with her and, oh, like really, really close with her. Yeah. And she was old. She's old. She was 16. But, yeah, I just thought that. So sometimes a lot of, some of people do this when they get puppies is because they've been taken away from their litter is if you get like a stuffed toy um, and you can actually get um, now going back a long time maybe 20 years or so what we used to do was get a clock that would tick inside and you put it inside the stuffed toy and that's because it just gives that dung 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 and it kind of mimics a pulse so that your dog or pup feels like oh there's you know someone else here and sometimes that's a good idea uh something similar to that to have um in the bed so that he sleeps well during the night all right margaret good luck with that we're going to go to another call uh we've got bob in valentine your cat is having some issues eating yeah it's not so much the eating but the the elimination of the food of the of the poo um it's like there's a um like she doesn't go for a few days. Mm. The, the stools tend to be tarry, but she's vomiting a bit. And look, I know it sounds serious and she should go to a vet, but because she was raised by little kids, and when we, I think we got her when she was a few months old, me or my partner can't pick her up. Oh, okay. So I'm wondering if there's anything we could try. Um, hopefully it's something that... Well, I wondered what you thought. Yeah. How old's your cat now? Uh, 11. Yeah. Look, I, I, I think uh, I'm with you on the first point is you're going to have to see a vet. Um, yes. The reason being is that you've got a cat that's vomiting who seems a bit constipated perhaps and maybe some tarry stool. Yeah. The, these are signs that concern me about um, gastrointestinal disease and perhaps some bleeding inside the gut. Yes. Um, and, you know, the way to really find out what's going on there and to hopefully provide some treatment is um, you would need to get your cat to the vet. Now, you do have some options if you talk to either your vet that you've been to before or um, you may be able to find a way that they could help you to get your cat either there or you could get a house call vet who could come along. Um, it does make it a little bit difficult with cats when we can't handle them so much. But, you know, we've got a few tips and tricks yeah house calls a good idea yeah yeah but i'd have a chat to your vet and say look this is the scenario right. what can we do good luck yep. bob look that's just about time for us just so you know our tawny frog mouths are still here they're beautiful uh, they're on facebook we're getting some lovely likes cheryl you can actually make the noise of a frog mouth oh, <laughs> oh you come are. on sarah you said you weren't going to oh, do that I won't, I won't do it to you but it's sort of a mo mo poke <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you're so good. You're so talented. There you go. Uh, that's Pet Chat for the day. Mm -hmm. It is. Thank you, Cheryl. Thank you, David. No worries. Wonderful as always. Of course, we will be back at same time next week. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com. <laughs>